Hey, welcome to part three of this four-week series that we're calling Breaking Free. I think it's a great way to start the year. More on that in just a moment. Um, but first, let me look into the camera and give a big shout out um, to everybody right now who's joining us live online. Um, whether you're on our online campus or scrolling through Facebook and you landed, or maybe Sunday morning just doesn't work for you and you're watching it later this afternoon or sometime throughout the week. And we are so excited that you are with us today. You picked a perfect Sunday. I'm telling you, a perfect Sunday to connect with us at church. So how about a church family? Would you welcome your church family on the other side of that? Come on, like never before. Yeah, we love you guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Love you. Hey, uh, more into the sermon in just another moment. Just two quick announcements. Um, the first, I just wanted to give you um, an update, uh, another update on our Make a Difference offering. Um, it's the one offering every year where we give over and above what we normally give to accelerate the vision of our church. And I'm not even going to give you a number anymore on the screen because every time I do it, um, it changes like literally in that, that second. Last week I told you we were like at $95,000. Happy to report. Um, that through your amazing generosity, we are now over $100,000 given for our Make a Difference offering. We just praise God for that. Isn't it amazing? You guys continually blow us, blow us away. And there's still time to give until the end of the month. We'll keep that tab online. Uh, you can still give to our Make a Difference, our Make a Difference offering. And... I want to highlight another thing, make an introduction for all of you. Um, a part of our last year's budget um, was, hey, we're going to hire some staff that we desperately need. I know sometimes like in a room like this and more people are engaging online than are actually in the room, you're like, oh, are you sure we need more staff? Like people aren't coming back to church yet. And the answer is Yes, we are understaffed for our size church. And one of the hires was a next steps pastor. Um, and this is a churchy word, but it's like assimilation, which helps people like assimilate into the life of our church through groups and growth track and serve teams. And you know, some of the core things that we have here at our church, well, everybody, we looked high and low. We did a search. And I'm happy to report to you and introduce to you today our new Next Steps pastor at Trinity Church. Everybody, this is DJ and Juliet Patrick. Will you guys stand right where you are? I don't know if online you can see them, but they come from Jacksonville, Florida. He's been serving at East Point Church by the beach. I'm like, why would you give up the beach to come to the desert? A, they have never been through a summer here, right? Like that's probably... It, it, here's, here's, here's what I most love about this couple. Um, it's very clear God's hand is on their life, a clear call. And through conversations that started a couple years ago, we just started talking and dreaming about ministry and what it would look like here. And the time was right. And he was working for his dad. And I totally understand that because I worked for my dad right out of seminary. And now was the right time for them to come and to be a part of what God is doing here at Trinity Church. And I want you to know this. I don't say this a lot to brag, but I literally get phone calls all the time from people saying, I want a job. Do you have a job? I, I want to work for you. I want to work at the place. Like People want to be here. And it's just, you, you gauge the heart, the humility, right? And their understanding of they're not coming to change what we're doing. What we're doing is working really, really great. They're going to help us make it better. And they're going to help us really organize some of our groups and things like that. So I'm so excited about the future, like never before, of Trinity Church. And so after the service, make them feel welcome. And I know you guys are the most hospitable people in the world. So I know you will have a problem doing, doing that. Okay, um, let's get your sermon notes out. If you haven't already, download the app. Everything Trinity Church is right there, specifically the sermon notes. And I'm telling you today, husbands, is the day that you want to take some notes. 
One person, I know online, you're like, amen. I, I get you on my online people. It's 11 o'clock crowd. We gotta fix it or something. Here's our theme verse. Theme verse is this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. That's an interesting language, this battle that's going on. We don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's really what this series is about, talking about some things in your life. You could define this as the Greek word okurama. It's the, the thing that has a grip on your life and it won't let you go. And you try over and over and over again. I need freedom. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And it keeps on showing up every year in your New Year's resolutions. And we're in week three and we've already blown it. That would be considered a stronghold. You don't want to fight with it anymore, but it won't let you go. The power we fight with, the weapons we fight with, what well, has the ability to, to demolish these strongholds. That's what we're talking about. And we demolish all the lies and pretensions and arguments of the evil one that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. God has some things for you that you don't necessarily even believe because you've bought into the lies. It sets itself up against who God says you are. And this is what we learned in week one, the theology behind it. And we take captive every thought, like we wrestle it to the ground, we throw it in prison and we throw away the key. Like we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. This isn't in your notes, but it's been in there the last couple of weeks. This is how we're defining strongholds. And it's this, a prisoner that's locked by deception. Really, you're not in prison. You're actually not stuck. You just think that you are. You've been deceived by the evil one to think that you're actually stuck and you're living a life by something that is not true. So week one, we talked about how to take captive every thought, how to change our thinking. Last week, we dealt with our first stronghold and that's the stronghold of addiction. And I encourage you, if you missed that, to go online and to watch it. I think it'll be helpful. But today, we're gonna deal with another stronghold that a lot of people deal with. And today we're going to talk about sexual strongholds, sexual strongholds. Now I know anytime in church, when you talk about sex, there's this uneasiness, right? That kind of just whoo, sweeps across the crowd. I can feel the tension. You can feel the tension. And the reason why you feel the tension is because you don't know where you should say amen in a sermon on sex. Am I right? I'm going to give you some opportunities. I'm gonna do one of these moments, right? Like this is your moment to say, to say amen. And I grew up in a church where I was taught that sex is dirty, ugly, and bad. You should save it for marriage. Well, I mean, think about that, right? And we bought into this stigma that we can't talk about sex in the church. And I'm telling you that if we don't talk about sex in the church, we are going to lose a generation to the world and the world has tons of answers for this issue. And we are going to talk about it, be proactive, and we're going to explain. But actually, the Bible has some incredible, life-giving, beautiful things about sex when it's done God's way. And I just fear that many people have never experienced the fullness of sex God's way and the full intimacy that it is because you've been doing it by yourself or you've been doing it your own way, thinking you know better. And it's wrong. The Bible has some amazing things to say about sex. Some of you still don't believe me. Okay, in the one-year Bible this week, 
In fact, two weeks from now, we're starting a series going through the book of Song of Solomon for five weeks. In the month of February, right, the love month, I'm gonna hook you up. Like we're gonna talk about the Song of Solomon in the month of February. But this week in my one-year Bible reading, Proverbs chapter five, Solomon, this is how awesome your Bible is. It talks about like his wife. He says, may her breasts satisfy me always. And then he goes a couple of verses later and he says, I am intoxicated by her love. Do you know what the word intoxicated means in the Hebrew? You know? It means bow chicka bow wow. <laughs> and I don't have a blank for that. Like I just don't. So you just have to trust me. You know, it literally means like, woo! That's my wife. And it's about to happen. Like, woo! That's what your Bible says about sex. Incredible, life-giving, beautiful, beautiful thing. So whether you're single, whether you're married, maybe you think I'm too old for all this. No, 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 no. Like this message is for you. You're gonna find what the Bible actually has to say about, about sex. And I do wanna cloud this, or get rid of this stigma too that kind of just clouds over us, is this idea that like sexual strongholds are worse than any other stronghold that you could be dealing with. That these sins, because I mean, we don't rank sins, but we kind of rank sins, right? These sins are worse than those sins. And I want you to know that's not true here. I don't care if this is an issue for you, if this is a struggle for you, if you're confused about all this stuff, I want you to know that everyone is welcome and anything is possible. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus in your life, that 2021 can be a year of breakthrough. You guys are killing me. I need you to respond better than this today. That 2021 can be a year of breakthrough. Amen. Amen. So here's how we're gonna frame this conversation. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter one. Here's what he says. For they knew God. So he's not talking about people outside the church. He's talking about you. People that come to church, they're at temple, right? They, they're religious, doing all the right things. It says, for they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God. And that's not just talking about singing. That's not worship. Worship is a posture of your heart. Worship is a declaration of saying, God, you're in control, I'm not. Therefore, whether I agree with it or not, I'm submitting myself to you and I humble myself. That's what worship is. That's the posture of your heart. So they knew God here, had, all the, had a bunch of Bible memorized, I bet. They went through Awana. They got all the right answers, right? All up in here. But here, they knew better. They didn't even worship him as God or even give him thanks, no gratitude. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Another way to say that is, God, I know what your word says, but we're gonna justify my life so you fit my life instead of God, I'm gonna make my life fit what you say. They begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like, and here's how he continues. And as a result, which by the way, this always happens, which is why I love my job so much, because you can do it your way. You can try, you get permission to do that. Go, go live the life the, the way that you want to, but you will be back. Why? Because their minds became dark and confused. Isn't there a lot of confusion around sexuality today in our culture? You know, the Bible talks about this. Jesus, when he talks about the end times, 
he says that at the end, when the end is near, the last generation will become increasingly sexually promiscuous. That will return to the days of Noah and Lot, which is what? Oh, we'll do whatever we want to do. We know what you say, but we know better. We're going to make our life, like you have to fit into our life, God, not make our life fit into, into you. And do you wonder today why there's so much confusion around sexuality? These words like orientation, like identity, that's all man-made words. Do you wonder why there's so much of this going on? Well, because we, we, we have tried to be wise, but as a result, we've actually become super foolish. And we did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies, and they traded the truth about God for what? For a, say it with me, for a lie, for a lie. Now that's what I wanna do. Every week I've been kind of talking about the lies that we believe because the evil one, right? His, his, his one way to get you is to lie to you, to make you believe something that isn't true because once you believe it, it becomes a stronghold and it has a grip on your life. The evil one is the accuser of the brethren. So this is how he works. So I wanna expose these lies to you and then come around and then give you the truth and give you some practical, some practical understanding. So what are some of the lies that we're hearing? And you know this, there is an assault on sexuality where we are. So a lot of these lies, you probably have, have heard them. And here's, here's the first one. The lie is this, that sex is an animalistic action. That sex is an animalistic action. And here, here's, here's what I mean by, by this. That sex is just a feeling and it's just an urge. So if you feel it and you have this urge, just go with it because you can't help it. Because after all, we're just mammals. We're just animals. Just kind of go with it. And by the way, that is a lie. You do not have to follow every feeling that you have. You do not have to follow every urge that you have. If you live your life by feelings and urges, you will make a disaster of your life. Choices lead, feelings follow. We are leaders, meaning we decide in advance. Now, I'm just gonna be honest. If I followed every urge and every feeling, even though I'm a pastor, if I followed every urge and every feeling, you would not want me to be your pastor. In fact, I'd be fired. Just being honest with you. We don't live our lives based upon feelings and urges. That's what animals do. In fact, growing up, my dad was a hunter. And every November 15, that's opening day in Michigan, in the hills and the woods of Michigan, we would go out together. And I would, he would take me along, even as a little boy. And I, it's hard for me to sit still even to this day. Like, that's not my personality, just to wait it out and let the, you know, the, the deer come to you. And I would talk and I would wrestle. My dad would get so mad, like, shh, shh, we gotta be quiet. We would get there early. It's cold. And sure enough, as soon as the, you know, the dawn would break, you, these little fawns would just come prancing out right in front of the deer stand. And they're magnificent animals, these white-tailed deer. And sure enough, the mommy deer, the, the does, they would come following. And they'd just be there. And my dad would say, we're not looking for the doe. We're looking for the buck. And the buck, what would he do? He would make sure the coast is clear. He'd make sure there was no, uh, nothing uneasy, that there is like, tons of peace. And they would stand on the edge. And if you take your binoculars and you could look right by the edge of the cornfields and the apple orchards, you could see the buck just standing there in this massive rack. I mean, the kind of rack where you want to hang it on your wall and brag to all your friends of how awesome of a hunter you are, like that kind of, you know, he just, he would stay there, super guarded, super protective. 
And eventually, he would go down to eat. He'd pick up an ear of corn and he would hear something. And as soon as he heard something he didn't like, what would happen? Boom! He's gone. Until, until the rut. When those does go into heat and there's this scent in the air and those bucks, they lose all guard. They just, everything goes and they just put their nose to that ground and these bucks go wild. Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? And I don't, boom, on my dad's wall as a trophy. That happens. It's there. Look at, look at this amazing thing. And I'm just telling you, friends, that if you follow your urges and you follow every feeling, and, and what do they call the sex talk? The birds and the bees. Animals can't help it, son, so neither can you. Here's a condom. What a joke. If you follow every urge and every feeling that you have, I'm afraid that you will end up as a trophy on Satan's wall. This is a lie. Just because you have feelings and just because you have urges, which are natural, does not mean that you have to follow them. Here's the second, write it down, that sex is just for fun. Because I know what you're thinking, pastor, come on. Why are you making such a big deal out of this? Like it was just spring break. I didn't even know her name. Like it's not even, it's just for fun. It's just a, a recreational activity and God never designed it to be just a recreational activity. There's a union that happens in sex, which is why church, we have to elevate and teach on this, the importance of sex. Why? Because something supernatural is happening in these moments. It's not just for fun or a recreational activity. Here's the third lie that I think people have bought into. And they say that sex is an isolated event. Oh, come on. I can click on that and click off of that and it's no big deal. Like I just leave it right there. Or no, 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 it was just that weekend. What does the world, they've marketed this. What do they say? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Now, how many of you know what happens in Vegas ends up in the counseling room? I'm telling you, it is never an isolated event. The world wants you to think that. The devil wants to tell you, oh, it's no big deal. Nobody's going to know. A part of you goes with it, and a part of it comes with you. It's never an isolated event. It is a lie. And here's the last one. Write it in. That sex is just physical. There's songs written about it. Let's get physical, physical. Like, it's just physical, Pastor. You have like, you're, you're, you're totally blowing this out of proportion. And I want you to write on top of this line, right, or to the side, just write that sex is actually spiritual. You are a spiritual being. When God created us, he created us in his image. It doesn't mean that we look like God. God's a spirit. It means that God has put a spirit inside of each and every one of us. It's the part that we're most like God. It's an amazing thing, right? So I actually think that you could say spiritual to every issue that you're dealing with because we are not earthly beings having temporary spiritual moments. We are spiritual beings having temporary earthly moments. Why would God do that? For one word, write it to the side, highlight it somewhere, for intimacy, for intimacy. And I just fear that many of us have never experienced the joy, the pleasure, the fulfillment that God has for us in sex because we've never done it his way. One man, one woman in the context of marriage. Everything else, it's a lie that we've bought into. And I'm telling you, it leads to disaster and really it leads to 
strongholds. So actually, Paul comes back around in 1 Corinthians, and he actually gives us a game plan. And he starts it off by saying this. Hey, church, do you not know? Well, no, they don't, which is why he has to say this. You don't know that you are bodies, that, that your bodies are members of Christ himself. And this is like, boo, blowing their minds. Because they believed that God dwelt in temples and in sanctuaries and in tabernacles, that that's where God dwelt. And now Paul comes around and says, actually, no, you're the sanctuary. God dwells inside of you. I'm sure you've said this maybe before. Let's get rid of this language around here. But you'll say something like, hey, isn't it good to be in God's house today? It's not true. This is not God's house. God doesn't dwell in this building. God dwells here inside of you. Do you know what this building is? And I know it has a lot of meaning for a lot of you, but this is drywall and this is cement with carpet on top of it. You know what this building is? It's Walmart. It really is. There's nothing special about this building. Why? Jesus comes around, Paul comes around and they start teaching a new theology that God doesn't dwell in buildings. He dwells inside of you. And here's where our thinking is warped. We would never do things here, but we have no problem doing it here. Paul is blowing the minds of these Corinthian church saying, oh, don't you understand that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Like, shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them? That's the word kaleo, glue. Like bring them together then with a prostitute? Well, God forbid, never would you do that. Right, right, right. Never would we do that. Do you not know? Well, they don't know. So I'm gonna tell you, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? And the reason why he's using this prostitute language is because the Corinth church actually had this, well, not them, but the Corinth city had this ritual where they would offer in the pagan temple a sex act with a prostitute. So Pyle's kind of harping on it here, but this is anything outside the context of marriage. I'll get to this in just a moment. Like, of course we would never do that. For it said, the two will become one flesh, but he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And then he continues in the next verse. Flee. Hey, run. Don't try to manage it. Don't try to outsmart it or think, oh, I can just handle this lie. No, Paul says, run away from this. All sexual immorality, that's the word pornea. It's where we get the word pornography from, which means anything outside of the context of marriage, how God designed it. Let me say it again. One man and one woman in the context of marriage, that's God's design. Anything outside of that, Paul says to run away. And all other sins a man commits are outside his body. Now we don't rank sins, I already told you this, but this is where it's a little bit different. Because you're not just sinning against God, Paul says, you're actually sinning against your own body. And he continues, do you not know? Well, they don't know. <laughs> let me tell you this. Let me, let me fill you in, church. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Again, God lives inside of you, who, whom you have received from God. You, were, you are not your own. You were bought at a price, meaning God saw your sin condition and he sent Jesus Christ to pay a price with his own blood to rescue you, to give you hope and to give you life. Like Jesus, like his blood has bought you at a price. So therefore, because that's true, you have to honor God with your body. And that's what I wanna help you with today. How do we honor God with 
with our body. Well, Paul actually gives us the blueprint for this in Thessalonians, and this is what he says. God wants you to be pure and to keep clear of all sexual sin. Like this is God's will for your life. This isn't a suggestion, everybody. If you wanna know, hey, what does God think of all this stuff like that's happening in our culture? God wants you to be pure and to keep clear of all sexual sin. For God has not called us to be dirty-minded and full of lust, but to be holy, to be pure, and to be clean. So I gave you the lies of the evil one. Now let's talk about how. How can we live lives that are pure, holy, and clean? So write these in your notes. We're gonna hurry and then I'll be done. Here's the first one. You, ha you have to make a commitment. This is where it begins. I wish I could be more, have a more alliterated point for you, but this is as simple as I know how to say it. You have to make a commitment to God's way. This is where we say, God, you know best. Your word says it very clearly. So I'm gonna submit myself to your word. I'm not gonna try to justify or say that's old fashioned, that's old school. No, 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 God, I'm gonna make a commitment to your way, which is what I said last week. This is what salvation is all about. Salvation is never praying a prayer, checking off a box on a connection card, even getting baptized. That's not salvation. Salvation is a reordering of your life where you put God in first place and you say, God, I'm, you're the Lord of my life. I'm gonna submit everything else to you. And here's what I know, that when God has your heart, he will begin to talk to you about everything else. We sometimes have it backwards. God, I'm gonna fix this, but he's not number one. You have to make a commitment to follow God's way. And some of you, you would say, Pastor, I got, nobody knows about this. It's something that I've kept secret for so long. But th this is a stronghold. I've been having an affair for years and years and years and nobody knows about it. It's a stronghold. Pastor, I keep clicking on that website over and over and over again and I can't break free. Maybe you would say, Pastor, that's me. I, I read those novels and I can't break free from it. I just over, I just fill my mind with this over and over. Yeah, I flirt on social media and I fantasize about where this would go with somebody from my past and you can't break free. I'm asking you, I'm begging you today, start. Make the commitment, break free from it. 2021 can be a year of breakthrough when you make a commitment to God's, to God's way. And when you make this commitment to God's way, you know what you're gonna find? <laughs> You're not gonna find shame, you're not gonna find judgment, you're not gonna find condemnation. You're gonna find grace and you're gonna find forgiveness. The Bible says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. You need to know that today. And here's what you're gonna find. The Old Testament actually tells us this, is though your sins, that stuff that you hope nobody finds out about, they're dirty, they're awful, they're wrong. When you come and have a humble moment and you make a commitment to God's way, here's what you're gonna find. Like they will become white as snow. And then here's our action behind it. The New Testament comes around and says, therefore come out from them, make a commitment to God's way and be separate. Touch no one clean thing and I'll receive you and I will be a father to you. I love this language, meaning like you're gonna experience him at a level you've never experienced him before. Loving, kind, a good father and you will be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. Church, I'm begging you today, right now. Send the text. End the conversation, make a commitment. Like start this last week of prayer and fasting, like fast the things that keep on bringing you down over and over and over again, make a commitment to God's way. Here's number two. If we're gonna break free, we're gonna have to manage our minds, manage our minds. Now, let me just talk on this for just, just a little bit. 
This is a 2018 statistic. So I don't see why this would have changed. But in 2018, the pornography industry in America has more total revenue than the NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL Hockey League, and the other one, the NBA, combined. Think about that. The pornography industry in this country is worth more than all the major sports teams and all the figures combined. What's amazing about the miracle of technology right now, that we can stream this service to literally like all over the world, like right now, it's a miracle and I'm so thankful for it. It is also this generation's curse. That in five seconds, you have access to whatever you want. Any video, any picture, internet, it's a wonderful gift, but it's also the greatest curse. And you may be thinking, oh, pastor, you're blowing this out of proportion. We have the software, the Christian software that you can download for free. We're good. We have nothing to worry about. I know we have boys and girls in our home. We have nothing to worry about. It's all, it's all good. Get your head out of the sand and be proactive and be the leader of your home and take responsibility for this. Like if we don't step up, church, parents, mom and dad, grandparents, we will lose this generation to the world. It is on us to step up and say, that's not okay. I'm gonna monitor everything that my kids are looking at. I don't care if they don't like me. I don't care if they're over 18. This is my home, it's my internet. I am going to monitor everything that you watch. Why? Because we don't want our kids to end up on the trophy wall of Satan to be another statistic. Parents, look at my eyeballs. Look at my eyeballs online. It is on you. It's not me, it's not our youth pastor, it's not our family ministry team. It is your responsibility to manage the minds of your students. Amen. Now, I wanna, I wanna help you with this. I wanna help you with this. Here, here's, here's what we're having. In a few weeks, I, I want you to fill this room. We're having parenting and pizza. Pastor Julie is gonna lead this conversation about how do you actually have these age appropriate moments with your kids about these very things. And you, you may think, oh, Jared, what is your problem, man? Like my kids are so little and I get it. I have a five-year-old, a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. A family recently gave me a book about how to start having conversations with your kids. Did you know that the average age that a boy and a girl is exposed to pornography for the first time in America, do you know what age it is? Anywhere between eight and 10. I don't care if they're a public school, Christian school, or homeschool, that is the average age in America. Which is why we need to take this so seriously. In fact, I'm reading this book with my seven-year-old. And as it's starting this conversation, and this is the way his brain thinks and works, he calls it pornography, right? That's just the way he reads it. Like it's, daddy, pornography. In fact, we're walking in Scottsdale a couple weeks ago at a mall, and we're walking toward the parking garage, and on the way to the parking garage is a lingerie store. And I, out of the corner of my eye, I see my little seven-year-old like, uh-oh. And we get there, and he's like, oh, daddy, pornography. <laughs> and I'm like, no, son, it's, it's not. But here's the thing, you may think, what, he is so, why are you having that? I refuse. I will do everything I can to make sure that my kids don't hang on Satan's trophy wall. And parents, that's what I want for you. 
I want you to take this so seriously that you will manage your mind. Why is this so important? Well, Paul tells us. Paul says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, like you see it, you think about it over and over and over again, well, because you think about those things. But on the flip side, those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, like you think about things that please the Spirit. And here's how we can do, oh, this is so good. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and there is peace. 2021 can be the year of breakthrough. Manage your mind. Here's number three, I'm almost done. That we have to maintain healthy relationships. You have to maintain this. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Have you ever heard that? That's so true. I was a college pastor for five years after seminary. I harped on this over and over and over again. You show me your friends, I will show you your future. Hey, single ladies in the room, online, you're watching right now and you're being pressured by a guy and he may be a good Christian guy, or so he says. And he's pressuring you to do things that go against God's plan for your life and he's putting it under the umbrella of love. I don't care if he's a member of this church or not. Let me tell you something, ladies, run away. He is no good. No man worth anything would ever pressure you to do something. Run away. You're not gonna fix him. We get married, it'll all go away. No, it won't. That's a character issue and I would run away in Jesus' name. So I'm gonna harp on this because, because bad company corrupts good character. I see this over and over and over again. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Now, let me give you the encouraging side of this. All of you, all of us, me, myself included, we need people in our life who can encourage us, who can speak life and truth and grace. People that we can take off the mask and we can be real and we can really tell them what's going on on the inside and say, hey, I'm struggling with this area and I need your help. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're starting Trinity groups. Over 40 groups will be meeting all over the city, all different times of the week. And I know this drives some of our Bible thumpers mad, but I don't care. Like, I don't care what you study in your groups. I, this is how much I care about curriculum, a big nothing. The purpose of groups is not to get smart with a bunch of Bible knowledge. It's never, the, it's never what we're about. What I want for each and every one of us, and I don't care how long you've been a Christian, what I want for every one of us is to find somebody that we can be real with. That moment of weakness that we can give them a call and say, man, I'm so close. I'm so close, I don't wanna do it. And somebody can love on you, can pray for you, can encourage you, can hold you accountable. Guys, you need that. I have people in my life right now. Like I'm an open book. You get my phone, you get my computer, you have every password, you can come in unannounced, you can check everything. Why? I'm not going down for this. Too much is at stake. You need to maintain healthy relationships. And here, here's what I love, right? James, the half-brother of Jesus comes along and he says, make this your common practice. You know what the word common practice means? Over, 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 over. We're gonna keep on doing it. We're gonna keep on, it's not a one-time thing. This is a common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Again, right, because it's common. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. It's a common practice. 
confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Am I making my point? Why? So we can be whole and we can be healed. Oh, church, every one of us needs a healthy friend. Every one of us needs somebody that we can call at any time, that 2 a.m. person. See, I'm there and I don't wanna be there. And I need you right now more than ever before. Maintain a healthy relationship. And here's my last point, and I'm gonna preach it first before I give you the point, because I know what happens. I give you the point and you close everything up and you're waiting to go. So let me preach it for a minute. But do you wanna know one of the main, the main reason why I'm committed to living a life that Paul talks about as pure, holy, and clean? Beyond my wife and my kids, the main motivation I have, like it's you. It's Trinity Church. Because I know that there are people that are counting on me. Those weeks when I don't wanna read my Bible, and I have those weeks, just so you know. Those weeks when I'm frustrated with God, those weeks I'm like, is this even worth it? I don't even wanna deal with one more problem, I'm just done. Like, you know what happens? Like Sunday's coming. I gotta get up here and give them something. Keeps me motivated. I am not asking you to flee from something. I'm asking you to run to something. That when you know your purpose and the plan that God has for your life, I'm telling you, it's never just about, well, I gotta keep clean and holy. No, 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 no. There are people that are depending upon each and every one of us to live the life that's holy, that's clean, that's blameless. So here's what I need you. I, you, you have to understand this fully, but here it is. You have to highlight God's plan for your life. I can't preach this enough. When you understand why you're on this earth and the plan that God has for you, church, it'll change the conversation. Because it's never about, well, you just gotta stay clean and pure. No, 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 no. This is why it matters so much. Now I want you to put yourself away and I just want you to receive the word of God. As Paul kind of ends this heavy passage of scripture, he's talking about all these types of things in 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 6, and then he leads into 2 Corinthians chapter seven. Here's what he says. With promises like this. So here's what he's saying. Is well, like the plan of God on your life, that's a promise. That he has ordained your days. They're set apart for something that's holy. Like that's a promise. Like when we understand that, it pulls us on. Dear friends, and let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. And this is what the evil one wants to do. He wants to distract you from God's plan for your life. Make no mistake about it. Let's make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship of God. Come on, so right where you are, bow your head, close your eyes, online, do the same. Come on, right where you are. Come on, receive all that God has for you. And Lord, today, you know the hearts of your people. You see right where we are today. And we take a moment and we just, we acknowledge, God, that we've been living life. We've allowed the, the lies of the enemy to control us. And today, we're making a clean break from that. We're making a commitment to your ways. Lord, give us the strength and the power. Holy Spirit, will you guide us? 
to manage our minds, to manage our thought life. Get around some people, Lord, that, that'll call us to a better version of ourselves. And today, God, we're gonna keep on moving forward with the plan that you have for our life. So today, God, I thank you for the amazing people of Trinity Church. I believe this with all of my heart, that the things that have been holding us back over and over and over again, today, God, we receive all that you have for us, your truth and your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, some of you in the room online, you would say, Pastor, I've never reordered my life. I've never put God first place. But today, you know you need to. I'm not gonna embarrass you, never, never make you come down front, but I'm gonna pray for you. And you would say, Pastor, that's me. Today, I need to give my life fully to God. Right where you are, just pray this prayer. Say, today, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. Come on, just tell him that. Say, today, as simply as I know how, I give my life to you. Say, come, live inside of me. Change me. Make me the person you long for me to be. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person praying that prayer. Some today, they're praying that prayer for the very first time. Others, it's a recommitment prayer. Lord, you know right where they are today. And today, Lord, we just celebrate, celebrate the fact that you are saving people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Come on, church, will you celebrate with me those who just said yes to Jesus today? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. If you, if you prayed that prayer, do me a favor and take out the connection card that's inside your seat back if you're in the room or online. Just check the box in the connection card that you're giving your life to Jesus. Um, it's the same hassle-free guarantee. We're never gonna come knocking on your door, show up unannounced. We'd never do that. We simply just wanna give you um, an email, giving you some clear next steps of what to do with your faith in Jesus. In our process here, we call it the growth track. We talk a lot about this. But it's a four-step process that helps you know your people, your place, your purpose. All of these things are kind of tied into the growth track. And it happens during this hour. Um, so come to the first service. Some of the first service is more full, but come to the first service and then stick around and go through the growth track. And you can start at any time. So next week would be the fourth Sunday. That will be the fourth, the fourth step of the growth track. And I can't encourage you enough. After the service for just a few minutes, we're gonna celebrate baptism today. Baptism is the outward expression of an inward commitment of people who have given their life to Jesus and now they're publicly gonna declare their faith in him to all of you. So stick around for a few moments and celebrate a family today that's going to be water, water baptized. And church, uh, before we send you out, it's time for the offering. Aren't you excited to give back to God today? Yeah, I know you are. However you give online, the app, Boxes in the back, however you give. Thank you for your amazing and your continued generosity. Uh, we serve a give first God. So we're gonna be a give first people, which is why we celebrate and cheer for the opportunity to give back to God. Hey, why don't you stand to your feet? We're gonna mix it up just a little bit. Um, I figured you're all adults now and you can figure out how to exit here pr properly. Um, but if that's a worry for you, just stay for a bit while everybody dismisses so you can keep your, you can keep your distance. And if you're online today, I mean, thank you for being with us. I'm honored that you would take part of our service. Um, if you're a guest, my wife and I will be down front for just a few moments. We'd love to shake your hand. Actually not. We'd love to give you a fist bump, tap your elbow. We'd love to welcome you today to church. Let's pray. God, thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. And we do believe that this is a year of breakthrough, that we can break free from some of these strongholds. 
So now I pray that we will have the most amazing Sunday afternoon that we've ever had. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Church, I love you. Keep coming back. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.